God, reform us to be the church that embodies your mercy. Amen. Because it rained this year, the day we were to have the fall festival, we partied on inside instead, complete with a haunted house in the youth room. We missed you, Jesse. Before you start in on Christians, though, and a haunted house from a place of supposed self-righteousness, like the Pharisee in our gospel reading, you should know that this tax collector was the one who organized it. Since we had made the decision that morning to have it inside, I remember a quick conversation with Hope that went, well, if we have it inside, we could make a haunted house. I happen to have a casket lying around. She didn't even blink. I spent the rest of that Sunday morning in between worship and Sunday school and choir and new member reception asking youth to come and help me build it and to bring all black attire so you blend in with the darkness. Most were willing to help, but one youth was not on board at first. She loved the idea of a haunted house, you know, for other people, but she hated the reality of experiencing it. When the evening came and darkness fell, the house was open for business. Our first group were young elementary kids, and they lined up outside the door with noisy excitement. I had to work to calm them down and give them directions. Lights on or off, I asked them. Off, they shouted. Are you sure, I asked. In the darkness, they started through that first tunnel with eagerness as a cloud of creepy smoke filled the room and the strobe light flashed. But one child asked to turn around, and I took him out. He loved the idea of a haunted house, but he hated the reality. Surprises in general are like this. We love slash hate them, don't we? And plot twists are the same way. Curtis and I are working our way through a TV series called Jane the Virgin, which is based on an art form of a telenovela, which means there is plot twist after plot twist to the point of near ridiculousness. You sit on the edge of your seat so much you fear falling off, but we can't bring ourselves to watch something else because we love it. Surprises and plot twists characterize the holiday of Halloween. It's an essential ingredient in those whodunit movies and haunted houses. I always find it a strange coincidence that this secular day that seems to commemorate plot twists coincides with the day we commemorate Martin Luther and the Reformation, which is nothing if not an extreme plot twist, one that in its day many love to hate. Even Luther himself loved slash hated his role in the changing plot line of the church's history, not to mention the social political history of Europe. I mean, from one person, what a surprise that all turned out to be. It's fitting that on this day we have set before us yet another parable of Jesus. The parables are nothing but plot twists, seemingly innocent and clear-cut stories, with a surprise waiting for you around every corner, with or without the smoke machine. Yet some are frightfully real. Some are those we would rather keep in the darkness with the lights off, and many we love slash hate. Maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I know the crowds are with me, surprised and dumbfounded by today's parable, when Jesus reveals the tax collector went home justified by God. Forget whether the Pharisee did or did not, depending on your preferred scholar, the twist that surprises and possibly scares them all is that the tax collector did. 
We lose some of the Twilight Zone overtones when we hear this parable because we don't live in the first century of Palestine. We have forgotten that this was the scariest Halloween decor yet in this gospel. The tax collector exhorted money from his own people to pay the occupying oppressor of Rome. And he doesn't pray, dear God, from this day forward, I'll do better. I'll give up my sleazy occupation and join the resistance. Now does he? So what right does he have to be justified? Oh, we shouldn't be surprised by it anymore, I guess. Last week it was that widow, a titleless, powerless woman with no standing, easily dismissed. What right did she have to justice? And yet the parable ends with the judge granting it. In the next few verses after our tax collector goes home justified, the disciples will attempt to dismiss little children from getting too close to Jesus. You know, burden of society, powerless children, and you know what he will do? Call them first in line to God's kingdom. What right did they have? It happens again and again every time Jesus opens his mouth to tell a story. Just a few weeks ago, it was Abraham and that poor beggar Lazarus. In a grand reversal in the afterlife, the once ignored and cast aside Lazarus, now front and center with God. All along in this gospel, the parables have us on the edge of our seat with plot twist after plot twist, which if we are honest, we love the idea, but we hate it in reality. Just look, the tax collector in our story stands far off beating his breast. And now who does that make you think of? Oh yes, that prodigal son whom the father not only welcomed back home but killed the fatted calf for. The one who squandered all of his father's money while the elder son worked day in and day out on that farm doing what he was supposed to do and he couldn't even get a goat for the small party. What right did he have? Oh, we love the idea of a God who is gracious and merciful, who eats with tax collectors, but often we hate the reality. Maybe we prefer our plot twists in the darkness, after all, with the lights off, because that is where we can cover up our judgment and our contempt of others, which makes sense because we've been doing it for years and calling it church. It's right there in the Gospels telling of the parable down to the anti-Semitic caricature of a Pharisee, a one-dimensional, self-righteous, law-thumping zealot, an imagined enemy, not a complex, three-dimensional Jew who was faithful to God and the Torah. We've been doing it for years, and as Lutherans of all people, we should know this, having apologized publicly for Luther's own writings that turned a number of people, religions, and races into caricatures with much worse vocabulary used about them than is written in our story for today. We've been doing it for years, and we still are, because somewhere over that time, Christian became synonymous with righteous, and we took up judgment of others as our full-time vocation. Somewhere in there, we decided to dismiss, ignore, or overlook those that do not agree with us, or look like us, or worship just like us. Or really, we just inherited that pattern without question, and we've been pushing the repeat button ever since. It doesn't help that our society is infected with the same illness, and does all it can to encourage this grotesque growth. 
The current one-dimensional perceived enemy does change with the seasons, Catholics, Muslims, LGBTQIA people, immigrants, refugees, gun owners, gun haters, Republicans, Democrats, and so on. Just wait your turn and you'll be next. But someone is always on the receiving end of our judgment. Our story always has the same ending without surprise, always the same plot line. Someone is always less righteous than we are and therefore less redeemed. Someone is always outside the reach of God's mercy. I think that's why there are so many parables, my friends, so many parables, full of plot twist after plot twist, which we do love slash hate, but which we need to hear and take in like life-saving medicine, which we need to hold on to like our parents' hand in the world's scariest haunted house. It's the gospel truth that the one we call neighbor is complicated and complex. They are human just as we are with hopes and dreams and desires for peace. And most of all, God's arms are somehow big enough to hold them too. When we allow ourselves that surprise, even if it means falling off the edge of our well-worn seat, we just might find that while we hated the idea of that truth, we love the reality of living in that kingdom, of God's kingdom brought about through the darkness of our daytime, of our hearts, of our thoughts, when Christ drew all people to himself on the cross while we stood far off, all of us, beating our breasts and begging for mercy. When Christ said to no one in particular, and yet to everyone there ever was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When that day even the rocks and the trees shouted out, and they too went home justified. Even the guards did, even the tax collectors, even the Pharisees, even the Lutherans, even the Catholics, even those that you and I would never think could, they did. And even you and I did. We are held in those arms of God, most especially if we have ever thought we never could be. Most particularly if we were ever told we could not be because of our past or because of who we love or where we are from. If we were ever dismissed or overlooked or written off or ignored, according to Jesus, this is to whom the kingdom of God belongs. Hopefully that's the kind of surprise that takes your breath away and not the kind that leaves you gasping for air, I can't say. Hopefully you will continue to listen for it on the edge of your seat as week after week it is proclaimed in this place and lifted up at this table. I know many who do, and I know it has changed their own plot lines. They were willing to humble themselves and enter into a dialogue with other faiths, and they still do. They are willing to learn something only another tradition can teach us. Maybe it will have that same effect on you, such that you are willing to admit that we do not have the whole corner on the truth while still loving the way, the truth, and the life that we know in Christ Jesus. Maybe you will find yourself willing to roll up your sleeves and get to work on common interests with people quite different from you, people you thought you would never have anything in common with. 
People you might have been brought up to hate or distrust, but by doing so, you discover that God's love abides in them too. Maybe that realization will soften your own heart, not only to the idea of God's kingdom, but to the reality. Which, my friends, might not only change your own plot line, but it might just change the course of history. Now, what a surprise that could be. Amen.